We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. And joining me now on the podcast from the Chippewa of Rama First Nation in Ontario is Chief Ted Williams. Chief, awesome to have you on the Land Decolonized podcast. How's everyone out there? It's going great here in the Maritimes. I guess we're all uh, caught up in the the reopening phase of, of COVID right across the land. And before we talk land code, maybe I'll just ask how things are going with your own reopening plan there at uh, Rama. We're uh, following... Uh very closely with uh, the province of Ontario. We obviously uh, have uh, our own uh, health task force that uh, gives us direction uh, and has given us direction since the beginning of the COVID uh, issue. And uh, so we've got many uh, individuals uh, you may or may not know, uh, but uh, we are the home of Casinorama, which uh, hosts anywhere from... uh, two to three million visitors a year. And uh, for the last uh, uh, 15 months, uh, the casino has been closed. Uh, And the casino employed uh, upwards of 2,200 people uh, and generated, uh, you know, uh, a lot of traffic here in the community. Uh, But uh, nothing uh, will happen that will sacrifice the health of our members in the community and uh, that's been our position since uh, the beginning of COVID. Uh, But we are all uh, COVID, uh, 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 what do you call it, distressed, stressed, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, opening uh, gradually uh, here. uh, But it's, it's, again, not without the uh, uh, consent of our health task force. Uh, for sure, and the expertise that they bring. And they're all employees and members of of RAMA. Yeah, it's been a delicate balance. Back in the earlier stages when there were lockdowns in different communities, is that something that you were able to police internally and manage internally? We actually uh, began our our discussions on how we were going to handle COVID before uh, the federal government and or the province uh, began their measures. We began talking at it about a week to 10 days before it actually happened. Uh, I recall going to the States and coming back and uh, uh, reading the news, staying on top of the news and uh, bringing it to the council table at that time. It's like, okay, what is our plan, you know, to uh, uh, combat uh, the COVID uh, that is, uh, it's, it's going to hit us, it's going to be here. And so we've been in control of that situation uh, uh, in advance of uh, any federal and or provincial uh, uh, involvement. I was reading a, a bit about your land code history in the community, and it wasn't really a, a linear, straight path. Can you take us back to the early days? Well, uh, just from my, uh, my perspective on the land code as it uh, relates to uh, what we've got now, my involvement goes back uh, on land and land issues, uh, you know, 40, 40 some odd years. I, I was uh, part of the first Rama Economic Development Commission uh, back in 1977 78. Uh, in 1974, Rama signed a 50-year conditional surrender uh, for lands, and we were going to develop an industrial park. 
uh, and uh, we had actually had some tenants uh, in the, the late 70s and early 80s, uh, three or four businesses, uh, larger businesses, uh, you know, uh, uh, light bulb manufacturing, and, uh, you know, there was uh, uh, an inventor who was there as well, and he, he, he created some interesting devices. Uh, and uh, subsequently, though, uh, when we um, won the bid for Casino Rama back in December of 1974, uh, we uh, were going to move the uh, place the casino on the waterfront at Lukachin. Uh, we spoke to the community, as we do in most big events. We we consulted with the community. The community said, uh, "Don't really want it to go there." you know, uh, because that's our waterfront. Uh, and so uh, what we did was we moved it temporarily. It was a temporary, it was supposed to be a temporary casino in the, the on the lands that it is now. Uh, and uh, so we developed a 200,000 square foot uh, footprint that housed uh, the casino, which was about 80 to 90,000 square feet on those lands that were designated for surrender back in 1974. So there was some foresight, some thinking in advance uh, to accommodate, uh, you know, economic development uh, here in, in, in the community. And it worked out well. Uh, the casino has been opening, open now for 25 years. On the 31st of, uh, of July, uh, we opened up in uh, 1996. And uh, so 25 years, uh, that's, a, that's a big milestone. Uh, millions of people have been here. Millions of vehicles have come through the community, uh, so we have uh, managed that process. We've actually taken control of it back then, even though we were working with the federal government. Uh, uh, REM has always uh, been a uh, at the forefront, let's say, of uh, development and uh, uh, various initiatives as far as economic development is concerned. Am I right in that you were one of the first... 13 or 14 signatories to the framework back in I think 96 yes we were we were one of the one of the, like we signed on uh, like right away it, it, it did take some time uh, to get to the point where we are now uh, but we were one of the first signatories back in uh, the mid to to late 90s one of the common themes I've heard from other chiefs uh, Jerry Duquette jr chief Kelly LaRocca and many others who've been on the podcast is that the land code helps them develop business at the speed of business or at the pace of modern business. Can you give some examples of maybe how that has taken shape in your own community? Well, sheepers, uh, I agree with their statement. Um, you know, politics sometimes and, and bureaucracy slows things down. But business, uh, you have to respond. For instance, uh, cannabis, uh, the cannabis issue. Uh, we we were on that issue uh, like right away, and uh, we turned it around to the point where within uh, well I guess it was within two years of uh, going through the process we designated land or land that is designated previously uh, commercial area on our main drive through the community, and uh, we developed that uh, cannabis operation the retail cannabis operation and we opened it uh, for three months ago. Uh, so we moved very quickly on that issue, working with the federal government, working with the provincial government, uh, and the uh, 
uh, AGCO, uh, the governing body, uh, and uh, we open it up. So that's a that's a that's a prime example right there. Uh, you know how quickly you know we can turn around and accommodate uh, business opportunities uh, that are going to meet the needs and the objectives of uh, of our community. What's it like not having to go to Ottawa and wait two or three or four years for some kind of approval for land use? It's it's very good to basically pick up the phone when they call us to ask us uh, how are things going, what are you doing, how did you do that, right? And uh, so um, it certainly cuts out you know a, a big step um, when we're talking about land uh, land use and uh, land use planning. Uh, it happens right here at the ground with us. Nobody knows our land, what we want to do with our land, like us. One of our, our slogans when we were uh, talking to the community uh, and the public was basically it was like, it's our land, it's our voice, and it's our control. Are you getting future partners coming to you saying, let's do business down the road? Well, right now what we have going on is we have a third... Uh, a 36,000 square foot retail uh, building, three feet or three three levels, uh, 12,000 square feet each level, and we just had a meeting on on lease uh, uh, lease arrangements. Who wants to take the lower floor of our retail uh, space? And uh, we've had a number of inquiries, both from within the community, outside the community and from uh, larger national companies who want to come set up office and work out of uh, the Chippewas of Rama. So that, uh, that's, that's happening right now and we'll be ready to go and everyone will be in the building before Christmas. So, uh, and that's going to generate traffic into the community. Uh, it's going to generate jobs uh, for the community. Uh, you know, it's going to feed into uh, uh, our little outlets that we have, whether it's our gas station, whether it's the Tim Hortons. We have two Tim Hortons in the community. We're the only First Nation in the country that has two Tim Hortons outlets in the community. Uh, plus, it's going to feed uh, into our other little shops that we have. We have the, the, the several smoke shops. The building that uh, I described is right across the street from our uh, uh, community center, which houses uh, uh, the uh, the arena uh, where uh, hockey gets played, uh, lacrosse gets played, uh, and uh, the arena is attached to our school. Uh, so um, it's you're, you're you're talking about and you're talking to a, a very progressive First Nation community, uh, the Chippewas of Rama. When business proposals like that come forward, can you describe? The process and like where chief and council is involved and where your land code committee might be involved how does that work exactly well um so when we talk about business opportunity we we've already designated land certain land along the rammer road corridor as as commercial opportunity and so um we will create with the the, the committee the committee and our staff know that that corridor is a commercial uh, entity. Uh, so we, we developed the plans and, and we're working from a, um, a, a community strategic planning perspective. So the community strategic planning perspective is that 
everyone has had input into the community strategic plan, whether it's economic development, whether it's housing, whether it's education, uh, whether it's social, uh, whether it's uh, anything else that you, you can think of. And so everyone knows. So our staff have, uh, they take their bit, they take their piece, they work it. So inquiries come into economic development, economic development will talk with land, uh, the land use uh, committee or the land use, uh, the lands department, lands department, uh, working with economic development, they'll bring uh, any uh, proposals working together to the chief and the council uh, for approval and or just for notice or we're working on this uh, and it's it's happening uh, quickly as opposed to you know well we got to send this off to the federal department of indian affairs and uh, you know we don't know when they're going to get back to us uh, so we'll hang tight will you uh, we don't have to do that uh, we can turn things around fairly quickly and we've heard that from so many other chiefs across the country does treaty negotiations fit into the land picture here? We 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 aren't involved in anything uh, like as far as negotiations. I mean, we've settled uh, the the Coldwater Narrows uh, Treaty uh, several years ago, maybe nine years ago, uh, and we just settled the Williams Treaty, First Nation uh, uh, Treaty uh, negotiations. I think it's three years ago. Uh, so, um, but there's always new uh, things that are on the horizon uh, that we're we're uh, pursuing. So, to say that there there isn't it would be I'd, I'd be lying to you uh, for sure. There is. Um, so, uh, and when I when I talk about that, it's 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 the cash that it's the cash that we talk about. It's the land uh, that we're talking about, uh, possibly purchasing. Uh, land uh, for additions to reserves, so that's all part of the discussions that we uh, have within leadership with our uh, lands and membership committee. Uh, that obviously will lead to discussion with uh, whether it's economic development and/or housing. Can you talk for a moment about how you've worked with other chiefs or perhaps staff with the? Uh, Land Management Resource Center to educate your community. I guess this would have been more during the ratification process or leading up to it, but how vital was that connection? Oh, that was great. You know, they were great people. The the resources, the, the one young girl, uh, young lady that, that we worked with, uh, um, Cassandra uh, Cadeau, uh, she was fabulous. Uh, she worked with our lands uh, and membership department, and we developed a land code uh, promotion strategy uh, that uh, we aimed to just not just on reserve but off reserve members, uh, and so that included signage, banners, electronic signs, signage within the community. We had a large sign that we took out uh, that was promoting our Black River Wilderness Park. We took that down for a bit, and we put up a large sign that talked about the land code, and we only did that for about a month, month and a half leading up to the vote. We had printed materials that uh, we sent door to door, flyers, we had information on our, on our website. We promoted the uh, chief and council members, uh, did promotional videos to launch uh, to the community back in early January of 20, uh, 2018, I believe it was. A tutorial on how to register. Uh, we used the um, 
community uh, arena uh, as uh, uh, a site for video screening and, and promotional materials. Uh, we had uh, events like uh, spaghetti dinners. Uh, we advise. We had the elder advisory circle. We we did uh, interviews with members of the community. Uh, we did webcasts. We had. The chiefs coming in from other communities, Chief Kelly Laraka did come in, and, and Billy McHugh from Georgian Island, they came in to assist us. Uh, we did stuff during the First Nations Library Week. Uh, we had depart departmental meetings. Uh, we even had a loony auction. We, we posted on social media. We had updates. We engaged officers, family members. Uh, on a personal on a personal basis as well, and we reached out to those that couldn't get out, uh, seniors and shut-ins, and uh, provided them with all the information that we possibly could uh, to make an informed decision. Because you can't make a decision unless you have all the information, and we provided them with uh, ample information, which led to a uh, uh, a great turnout uh, where we had. 565 ballots, uh, 508 people uh, said yes, and 50, 53 people said no, which is uh, about 91%, I think, of the people in the community voted in favor. So um, communication, uh, communica can't underestimate the, uh, uh, the communication that is required, you know, whether it's a land code or whether it's any other issue, and involving the community. When you involve the community, you get buy-in. Well, as a former corporate communication specialist, I can I can tell you, you had all the bases covered. So, uh, hats off to your Cracker Jack communications team and the rest of the gang there. That that's amazing. Well, our communication team is Cracker Jack. <laughs> what was I going to ask you? I only had one more point. I think. Oh yeah, one thing I've asked other uh, chiefs and band managers is. Um, the term colonization or decolonization in this point, uh, at this point, how would you define decolonization? Ooh, decolonization. <sighs> wow. Uh, you know, that's, uh, you, you caught me off guard on that. You know, when I, when I think about colonization, uh, I think about how I went to school. Um, you know, uh, and what I was taught in school. And um, whether it's a two-room schoolhouse here in Rama uh, that I went to school in kindergarten, grade one, and then I went to public school uh, in Aurelia, bust uh, into Aurelia, and I was fed information about the Canadian history. And then I went on from high school to... Um, from public school to high school, and I was fed some more, uh, you know, and feeding into that whole uh, societal uh, uh, makeup, uh, and that 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 was that that's colonization, right? Uh, housing. This is this is what your housing should look like. This is what your education should look like. This is the kind of money that you know your your family should be making. Uh, these are the kind of clothes that you should be wearing. This is the kind of institution that you should be going to, you know, for spiritual needs. That's that's colonization. Decolonization is the is is learning who who you really are.
where you come from, what your personal history is as it relates to the First Nation community. And so there's a lot of work to do. And that's just us. When we talk about the non-native uh, population, uh, you know, when we when I know that if I was to hear the word decolonization and I'm I'm a non-native, I'm like uh, I might be offended because this is what we brought to you. You should be able to appreciate that. You should be giving me thanks for what we have brought to you. In some cases, I agree. You know, but. I have to admit, and and uh, this is a this is a deep subject. But when I was out there going to school, subsequently, you know, finishing school and going on to work, your decolonization and your attitude towards me as an indigenous person had me thinking: either I live up to uh, the stereotypical. Uh, attitudes that you had of me or if I didn't live up to that and I started to be like you work like you when I did that I had to be twice as good as you not the same I had to be twice as good as you because it's only when I was twice as good that I actually get and got the respect that I deserved. That's my own personal history. The reason I asked it, just yesterday here in Nova Scotia, they announced they were changing some of the curriculum in the education department because a lot of the information about Mi'kmaq heritage and the Mi'kmaq community here in Atlanta, Canada, was just dead wrong and in some cases flat out disgusting. And insulting, and only now are they changing that. So, I mean, just to shift that back to land code, has has land code and and the the move towards self government helped with that process of decolonization? Um, I, I would say that that it is because you know the land um, the land that we talk about is we come from the land. We we love the land. Uh, the land, uh, the land is 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 our mother, uh, Mother Earth, and we need to look after Mother Earth. And um, uh, so, when we talk in that fashion and we believe in that fashion, then that uh, actually assists us in accepting who we are, accepting what we're capable of doing and accomplishing within. Uh, the confines of the uh, legislation uh, under the Indian Act. And so, you know, moving that forward is uh, it, like the land code, moving that forward and, and owning and, and sharing and properly uh, developing, taking into consideration all of the challenging factors, uh, you know, that come about with the use of land, uh, I, I believe that it does lead to, uh, you know, an identity uh, for the community. And it leads to a feeling of pride that we did this. Uh, this is our community. This is how we chose to develop our community. 
uh, and it's our own it's our own strategy to compete now uh, in in the Canadian mosaic, let's say. Uh, and we're doing we're doing quite well. We're doing really well. Just as we wind down, Chief, uh, there are now 101 communities across Canada that have voted yes and uh, have their own customized land code. If a politician from another community that's not part of the framework agreement came to you and said, should we look at this, yay or nay, what would your advice be? As, as I indicated earlier, you know, it's, it's your land. If anybody should have a voice in your land and what is going to be happening on your land, it should be you and your people. And uh, it should be controlled uh, by you. Because nobody knows your territory like you. And you're the one that should be in control of how you're going to develop the land to meet the needs of your community. So I would suggest um, do it. There may be others who, hearing the podcast, would like to get in touch with you or some of your staff. Uh, is there any preferred method of contact, email, or call the band office? Um, well, you, you can call the band office and ask for my communications director. If, if I may, uh, just before we close, uh, Richard, I, I want to express uh, the Chippewas of Rama, my leadership, my community, uh, our, our grief, uh, our sorrow, uh, on behalf of uh, those beautiful lost souls that are, are now found uh, in uh, the various residential schools. Uh, and uh, our thoughts and our prayers are with all the Indigenous people uh, across this land. And uh, we uh, certainly hope uh, that, uh, you know, uh, they look to the Creator uh, for guidance and assistance at this time. Miigwech. Thank you for honoring them that way. Thank you. That was my conversation with Chief Ted Williams. You can visit the Chippewas of Rama First Nation website at ramafirstnation.ca. You will find the tab for the Lands and Membership Department for more detailed information. Don't forget, you can read the most recent Lands Advisor newsletter, the National Newsletter, Spring 2021 edition at labrc.com. I'm Richard Perry. Thanks for listening to the Land Decolonized podcast.